Welcome to Your Work, Your Way. This is the podcast where you learn to get in touch with your inner CEO with soul. Learn to take charge of your career. Learn to show up with confidence in a way that is aligned with who you really are. I'm your host, Lisa Filia, Masters in Psychology, Certified Life Coach, Expert Career Confidence Coach, and Founder of Believe C. Let's dive in. Let's talk all about habits. We are going to dive into what a habit is. We are going to break apart the definition so that you can see all the ways in which we are creating habits for ourselves. And I think this broader definition is going to open up your mind to things that maybe you didn't think of as habits, but that actually are habits happening in the background, shaping how you think and how you feel and how you respond. Then we are going to dive into what creates our habits so you understand their origin. And we'll end with talking about how to break our habits and replace them with ones that are more helpful. We are doing all of this from the place that is soul-led because you know I am all about us doing our work our way with soul, which means being connected to who we really are, that deep, energetic, self-confident soul that each and every one of us are that we sometimes forget, but we just need to re-inspire, reconnect, and realign with so we can fully show up in our truth and do our work in our way with soul. So that is where we are going today. And before we do so, I have a work win to share. I am so thrilled to be sharing this win. I am just pumped up because this client of mine and what who we're celebrating has just landed his dream job. He got his written offer. He has accepted it. He is good to go and he cannot wait to get started. When we started working together, I remember he was talking about how it felt like the stars just hadn't aligned, how it seemed like getting the right job meant being in the right place at the right time. And he was feeling a little jaded about the whole process of applying, of getting the job, of having to show up in a way that didn't feel real to him. But through coaching together, what we did was we helped him reconnect with who he is, the genuine self-confidence within. In doing so, allowed him to show up and be more visible in a way that felt real and genuine, not like he was faking it, but where he could actually be himself. And by opening him up in that way, what ended up happening is he started attracting new opportunities and new positions. People were seeking him out. He was getting called up for different potential job opportunities. And that was what led him to getting the role that he ultimately now has just gotten. We worked not just on his energy. We also talked about tactics and strategies for how to interview, for how to negotiate salary, for how to position your LinkedIn in a way that lets you show up as a thought leader, and for how to create some more clarity in what you're wanting so you can make decisions from a place that is aligned with your true desires, with what you really want. That is what led him to where he is today, having just 
accepted the offer for his new role. I am so excited for him. And the work doesn't stop here, my friends. We are continuing on together because the next step is to help ourselves excel in that dream role. So we are continuing to work together and that will be our focus. Uh, But I did want to take a moment to pause and celebrate this client here because it is an incredible accomplishment uh, and it's worth mentioning. It is worth celebrating this win. So congratulations to this client. And I am so excited to continue the journey together. So you're excelling in this new role that you want and that you love in a way that feels good to you. All right. That is our win. And for those of you who really resonated with that and you are either wanting a new career and aren't sure what it is or know what it is, but aren't sure how to get it or have that career, but are feeling a little insecure about how to go about it, join me. I have one-on-one coaching spots available. Schedule your free consult where we dive into your career. We talk about your specific goals and we map out a plan to help you forward. This call you can access at beliefseed.com slash schedule. And it's also linked in the show notes. We are now going to talk about habits, and as promised, I will start by defining what habits are. And really, at the basic level, a habit is just an event that signals a response that you keep doing over and over until it becomes what we call a habit. So an example of this is something happens and it triggers a response in you or you see something happen and it triggers a response in another and you make note of how that happened for them and you start to build this pathway in your brain that when this event happens, we respond in this way. And the more you respond in the same way, the stronger you make that connection. It's like you're creating a easy path in your brain, a neural connection that allows your brain to easily know that when this event happens, we do this. It is a way for us to easily process information. It's something that we've developed in order to help ourselves conserve our energy because if our brain knows how to quickly respond to something, it doesn't have to take energy in order to think through what to do. It can just rely on past pathways and past responses. This can be great because it helps us use our energy to focus on other things, on new experiences. So we don't have to re-decide to brush our teeth every evening. We can just know when we put our PJs on, we then brush our teeth. So the event of putting on our pajamas reminds us or triggers to us to go to the bathroom then and brush our teeth. We didn't have to actively say, okay, now is the time I brush my teeth. We just know, oh, Okay, put my pajamas on. Now I brush my teeth. It's subconsciously in there. And we just end up going to the bathroom without even thinking about it and grabbing that toothbrush without even giving it a second thought, putting the toothpaste on and brushing our teeth. It's a habit we created. So it's so helpful for us to know that because it keeps us moving forward. It keeps us then getting to use our energy to think about other things. The dilemma happens, though, when the habits we form aren't that helpful, either from things we've picked up from others that we've observed and taken on ourselves, or just things we've done without maybe thinking about how it impacts us, that over the long run, 
is hurting us. And then we have these habits that are triggered, these events that trigger a response in us that maybe we're not even thinking through that causes us issues, that leads us to be unhealthy. And we end up reliving our past over and over again as we keep responding the way we've always responded because we continually experience the same events and we respond in our automatic way and we don't even think about it. And so that's where habits become detrimental. So I don't want us to see habits in themselves as good or bad because a habit can help us or hurt us. It just depends on the specific habit and whether or not we see it as serving us in our life. And so in today's episode, what you'll do is you'll get clear on how these habits have formed, and then you'll get the opportunity to decide if you want to keep those habits, and then if not, how to change them. And so we talked about what a habit is, but I want to broaden the definition a bit because my example was about brushing your teeth, which is an action. But habits can also come from in a, in a way of thoughts or feelings. So it might be that when you were younger, maybe one of your parents baked you banana bread and they pulled it out of the oven and you smelt the bread and they said, here, honey, have a slice of bread. And you smelt the bread and you saw their face and you felt the warmth from how they said it to you and you felt good. And so banana bread made you feel good. So the event was the banana bread. The response was you felt good. So this event triggered the response of feeling good. And so now let's say that happened a couple other times where you smelt banana bread, your parents lovingly said something to you or gave you a slice or something like that, and you felt good from that. So what you've done is you've had an event that triggered a response of feeling good And it happened more than once. And as it repeats, you build that pathway. Now, as an adult, whenever you smell banana bread, maybe you automatically feel good, even if your parent wasn't there, because the smell of the bread is triggering the response in you, where now you smell the banana bread and you immediately feel good. The same can be true for our songs. Do you notice how certain songs from childhood? maybe make you feel a certain way. And it might not have anything to do with the theme of the song. It might be that that was the song that was playing when you uh, said, I love you the first time. You might not even remember that that's why, but that song imprinted and had an impression upon you. And now whenever you hear that song, you have that positive memory or you start thinking of that person that you had said, I love you too, even if you're no longer in connection with that person. So now that event of that song triggers a thought about that person. So this is how our habits are not just about our actions. It's also about how we think and how we feel, different events triggering those things in us through repetition becoming a habit. And so what we want to do then is understand how these habits form so we can realize our power in changing these habits as well. And so I've talked about what a habit is. How does it form? Well, a habit is that neural connection from an event that triggers a response that is repeated that becomes a habit. How does this get created? Well, when we're young, and really that most impressionable time period when when we're younger, when we're children, 
we don't have a lot of stories to make assumptions off of. And also when we're younger, like zero to seven, we don't have a lot of cognitive capacity for processing information. We are in an imaginative state, but we're not in a rational thinking place where we can make critical thinking uh, processes and make decisions from that. And so what that means is, and even the way our brain waves are at, at that stage is we are primed for super learning, which means that we're pr- primed to observe our surrounding environment and download it in to ourselves without cognitively choosing if we agree with what we're downloading, because we're trying to learn as quick as possible. We evolved to have this super learning state, which our brainwaves are almost in the same wavelength that you might think of for those who go through hypnotherapy. And when you're in hypnotherapy, you're in an impressionable brainwave state where you aren't in your rational mind and you're actually allowing yourself to easily take in information and the power of suggestion is quite strong for you. The same is true when we're younger. And so when we're in that state as children and we don't have a lot of data, a lot of past memories or past experiences to filter our surrounding environment through, we're like a blank slate. And to help ourselves survive, our brain makes it easy for us to fill that slate up. And so as a younger child, we see something. So the power of observation alone teaches us, can almost create a habit in itself. We see our parents respond a certain way. We see that when they get a phone call from a boss, they yell. And so now we think, oh, our bosses are people we yell at or whatever it might be. That might not be a very realistic example, but you see your parents respond to events or authority figures respond to certain events or children around you respond to certain events in a certain way. And you're primed to think, oh, when that situation comes up, that is how we respond. We're primed to take that in without maybe even cognitively choosing it. And what that does is it creates this connection in your brain. And this isn't a habit yet. This is just something you've observed that you subconsciously downloaded into your brain as a data point. So then the next time that situation happens again, you see boss calls your parent, your parent yells, you've reinforced that response. When bosses call, we yell or we get angry. This is what you do. Uh, Have you ever had a child who who swears or says something inappropriate or says something you can tell they don't really know what they what it means but they must have heard it somewhere it's not language a child would normally use well they learned it through observation and they're spewing it back out f- because of some event that maybe triggered them to say that um for example maybe maybe the child's parent was talking negatively about that child's teacher. And so that happened a couple times. The child observes it. And then when talking with that teacher, the child repeats the same phrase or repeats a phrase about uh, someone else, whatever it might be. So the child is learning and taking in this data. It becomes a habit when the child continually hears or sees the same response happening with a similar or same event. So a similar event, same event, triggers the same response from the same people or different people, whatever it might be, but it creates a pattern. 
And as that gets repeated, it strengthens the connection in the child's brain that that is how we respond in that situation. Maybe then the child then does the same thing in a similar event themselves. That reinforces the same thing. So as a child, when you have no stories to base things off of, you have this, you're, you're like, your brain is like this field with no trails. But every time it, the, the child sees their someone respond a certain way to an event over and over, it's like the child has walked through the field and created a trail. And the more times the same event triggers the same response, the path in the brain gets enforced. The field, the path gets walked down again and again. So the repeated patterns become habits because it's like you're creating actual paths in in your brain, actual field becoming trail trails in your brain. And this can happen through observation alone because that's how we evolved. This can be really helpful when we're in a really supportive environment, but it can be really difficult if our environment isn't as supportive. And even for those of us who've been uh, had the opportunity to be in supportive environments, we still experience things that have negative impacts on us. We still take in difficult situations. And so we still can create habits that are not helpful to us. For instance, if you were that child who took in this idea that when the phone rings and the boss is on the end, you yell, that's what you're supposed to do, you might end up noticing you habitually get annoyed with your bosses over and over again. It's like this pattern repeated and you don't understand where it came from. Well, maybe it literally came from a childhood observation in taking information in that you didn't even really realize you were doing. And so I share this with you. It, and not to say that it's always this concrete and literal. Sometimes our brain use symbolic representation. So as a child, maybe it was that the boss called and the parent yelled, but maybe as in, as you were taking that in, it just meant that the phone causes anger. Maybe that's how your brain took it in. Phone causes anger. And so maybe you realize you never really liked talking on the phone and you never knew why. You just thought it was your personality, but it was actually from what you witnessed as a child. And so I'm sharing this with you not to make you freak out or feel like trapped or victimized by your past. Uh, but to make you feel free, actually, to, to free to not have to blame yourself for some of your responses, free to not have to feel like you should think differently about things. And I often work with clients who have a lot of self-judgment, honestly, because they think that they should be thinking differently than they are, and they don't understand why they think the way they do. And they tell me things like, I know that I'm choosing to think this way in this situation. But what they're not acknowledging is that they might be choosing to think that way because of 20 years of habituation where that's how they always responded. So they're getting mad at themselves for thinking a certain thought when the reality is it's based on 20 years of programming, many of those years before you even had the cognitive abilities to rationalize why you were thinking that way or or maybe to easily choose differently. And so don't use this information to trap yourself into thinking you're stuck in your habits. You can 100% change your habits and let go of these old neural pathways. You can release them. You are not trapped. But use this to help yourself 
to see that it might take some time and some patience and some self-compassion to acknowledge you are the way you are, not necessarily because of how you're choosing to think right in that moment. Your past might be playing a part. And we don't have to drag the, the past into the now. But when we don't acknowledge the fact that the past has shaped our brain, we lose sight of the ability to heal some of those past wounds. And the healing is often some of our greatest gifts of letting ourselves be free from feeling like we're supposed to be a certain way, of realizing that we have some things maybe within us that we want to let go of. And regardless of what those habits are, if you're listening to this right now, it's likely because you have some habits you either want to create or that you want to change. And so this episode is here to say you can have change. And don't get so hard on yourself for the habits you have now. I'm not trying to say take no responsibility, but what I'm saying is don't be so hard on yourself about the choices you've made. Imagine like yelling at a seven-year-old for choosing to do what it did when, it, when, when the seven-year-old maybe just didn't know any better. We're all doing the best we can in every single moment, so give yourself some grace and compassion to know. It is okay that I'm thinking the way I am. It is okay to feel the way I feel. It is okay that I did the thing I did. And I have a choice to make a change. Every moment is a space to say, how do I want to show up now? And some choices are easier to make than others because the neural pathways in our brain are primed to help us because of how we've been taking in information from the past. And sometimes the choices that we want to make are not easy because it goes against the neural pathways we've created in our brain that have developed over years and years and years and years and years. So some choices truly feel easier than others. It's not because something's wrong with you. It's simply that there are pathways in our brain that you might be wanting to shift. And so If we're thinking about this from the place of how our habits have formed, what we've talked about is as children, that open field being there and habits becoming us reinforcing the same trail over and over again. So now what you have is you have this field with all of these trails. And the more this happened is they became paved pathways. And then the more this happened, those paved pathways became highways to drive down. And so now you have this This mind that's actually still has parts that are just open field, but has other parts that are highways and other parts that are paved pathways. And the more a specific event triggered the same response and the more emotion behind each response. So it's not even as neutral as an event created a response. It's also how intensely there was an emotion attached to that that told our brain to focus more on certain events than others. The more that happened and the more intensity the emotion with it, the stronger that pathway became. So the more that that became a highway as opposed to staying an open field. And so if you want to change how you respond to something, what you're actually asking yourself to do is to get off the highway and trudge through the field. That's the last thing our brain wants to do because it created these pathways to try to keep us safe by conserving our energy. So the last thing it wants to do is to get off the highway and trudge through the field. It's saying, whoa, that's not what we do here. When we're in this event, we're supposed to feel this way. When we're in this event, we're, we're, event, we're supposed to do this thing. 
And yet you're telling it, I hear you, brain, but I actually want to show up differently. And now what we want to do is we want to help ourselves change these habits. We want to create new highways. We want to tell our brains to get off the highway and on back into the open field and create a new path, which is not what our brain wants to do. So how do we help our brains to do this? Well, first and foremost, we need to be committed to changing the habit, which means having a really strong why can help us. Just deciding randomly, you know, I want to stop eating chips and go to the gym instead. I want to I want to go to the gym after work every day. Yeah, that'd be nice. That's not a commitment. That's not strong enough for you to not go on the highway of sitting on the couch and grabbing chips instead of going to the gym. The gym is an open field at this point in this example, but the highway is the sitting on the couch eating the chips. And so we need a strong commitment to want to change the habit. If you're not committed, you aren't going to be able to have enough of the strength and willingness to feel uncomfortable as you're shifting this habit and to go through some of the physical, emotional, mental turmoil that can come from changing a habit. And so what we need to do is we need to have a strong enough commitment to want to change for it to matter, for us to actually change. And I'm going to use an example as I'm sharing how to change a habit with you, a real example in my own life, because I think it'll help this come to life. So for me, a habit that I had was I would eat chocolate pretty much all the time. And my trigger was actually an emotion. So I say that habit is an event that triggers a response. In my case, the event was emotions. Literally any emotion also. Anytime I felt emotion of enough intensity, my response was to have some chocolate. If I was feeling really good, that meant have chocolate. If I was feeling really bad, that meant have chocolate. If I was feeling really uh, bored and, and unsure of how to do and I felt uncomfortable about that, that meant have some chocolate. And so the event was, an, was emotion itself. The response, have chocolate. The action of chocolate eating. And this habit had been going on for a while. And I got to the point, though, where I felt like enough is enough. I was sick of feeling controlled by chocolate. I was sick of feeling like I had to have chocolate whenever I had an emotion. And of course, I'm an emotional person. You might have realized that by now, which meant I was feeling emotional a lot, which meant I was eating a lot of chocolate. And honestly, it wasn't even the health health thing of wanting to have less sugar. It was really feeling like I was being trapped by my cravings for chocolate. I was going to say addiction. I don't even know if you can really call it that. I felt like I had no control. I felt like I needed to have chocolate to feel better because what would happen is I'd eat the chocolate And then it would numb me out so I wasn't feeling because I was focused on eating the chocolate. It was temporary fix. There was never enough. Went from one cookie to two cookies to making a full brownie pan. And, you know, it just it just nothing would really satisfy the urge because what I needed wasn't chocolate. I needed to process my emotions. But the habit I had created was when you feel emotions, you eat chocolate. That was the neural pathway I had strengthened. That was my highway. But enough 
was enough. So I had a strong commitment. I wanted to show myself that I was in charge of my life, not chocolate and not emotions that were dictating how I should respond. Now, I'm not saying that I wanted to control my emotions, though I probably did, but I actually, as a coach, don't believe in this idea of controlling your emotions. I instead believe in using your emotions for you. But me eating chocolate whenever I felt emotion is not me using my emotions for me. And so I said, enough is enough. And I was about to become certified as a coach, and I didn't want to feel like I was still being driven by chocolate. I wanted to be above and beyond the need for chocolate to feel better. And so what I decided was I was not going to eat chocolate. And I didn't know for how long. I just knew that I was done. I was done eating chocolate until I decided differently. Now, that might not sound like a very strong commitment, but for me it was. And you'll know it's strong because you'll feel it deep in your bones. Like, this is my commitment. It will have conviction behind it. It will be strong. It will be powerful. And so once you have the commitment, what you need to do is you need to interrupt the event and the response. There's a space between the event and the response, and you need to make it bigger and interrupt it so that you don't automatically do your response. So for me with chocolate, what that meant was I got rid of all the chocolate in my house. That helped me by changing uh, my surrounding environment. And what that meant was when I felt an emotion, I couldn't just immediately run to the cupboard and grab a chocolate bar because that's what I would do. And honestly, it was to the point where I wouldn't even catch myself until I was already in the cho- eating the chocolate. And so what helped me create a bigger space between the event and the response was removing the chocolate from the house because that meant I would have to drive to the store to get chocolate to then respond in that way. I increased the space between the event and the response, which gave me more time to think and more time to choose a different response. I was making it harder for me to fulfill the habit, and I was basically creating a requirement for awareness because what would happen is I'd feel an emotion, I'd automatically go to the cupboard, and the chocolate wouldn't be there. And then I'd have to think, oh, right. (sighs) I'm not eating chocolate anymore. So that was the first step. Interrupt the response. So find ways to interrupt your habits. And this is something I help my clients with as well. So if you want help with this, join me in coaching. We can be creative in this to help you uh, with this as well. Next step, you have to replace the typical response with what you'd actually want instead. So when you break a habit, I never recommend just breaking a habit and replacing it with nothing because then it's like you told yourself to get off the highway and just stand in the field and you're just in the field and you have no direction. Your brain doesn't like having no direction. It's going to be really hard for it not to just get back on the highway unless you give it something else to focus on or to do or to respond with. So. If you're trying to stop yourself from biting your nails, replace the habit of biting your nails with putting on lotion or something like that. Replace the habit. So for me, my event was an emotion. My response had been to eat chocolate. And I interrupted it by removing the chocolate from the house. Now I wanted to replace it. So what did I replace it with? Well, you want to replace it with something easy. 
so something easy, but that is more helpful for you. Because if you make what you're trying to replace your habit with into something really hard, like if you're like, instead of sitting on the couch and eating chips, I'm going to go run five miles and you never ran before. Like, no, that's too hard. (laughs) Make it easy. Replace it with something that's actually not so hard for you to get on board with. So for me, this is, this is really funny, but what I replaced my eating chocolate with was tantrums. I'm not even joking you at home, not at work, but at home. Instead of eating chocolate, I would basically throw a tantrum to myself. And I know that might sound childish and and it is, but honestly, it's what I needed because I was having chocolate so that I didn't have to feel an emotion. So if I removed the chocolate, I was just still left with the emotion. But instead of grabbing the chocolate bar or watching TV and numbing out in a different way, I decided to let myself feel my feelings. And I remember one time specifically where I was upset and I don't remember what I was upset about. I just remember I was upset. And so I went to get some chocolate and it wasn't in the cupboard and I was livid. I just wanted some chocolate. And I remember stomping my actual feet, like in real life, stomping my feet, standing in front of my bed, and then just falling backwards onto the bed. And then just crying and feeling really sad that I couldn't have chocolate. And that was me processing my emotion. I was allowing myself to feel how I felt. And I think the reason this specific memory stands out so strong is because after that, after, you know, throwing the tantrum, not even after, during the tantrum, I also remember soothing myself, telling myself, it's okay. I know you're upset. I get that you're upset. You're used to having chocolate. You don't have chocolate now. I hear you. I know. I'm so sorry you're so upset. I'm sorry you you feel this way. I hear you. And I would just basically soothe myself at the same time that I was throwing an emotional tantrum. And it was really healing because I showed myself that I was there for myself. I wasn't judging myself for having an emotional reaction. I was actually being compassionate towards myself for it. So this is an example of replacing the action with something way more helpful for me from a place of compassion and support. And so this is what I want to offer to you. To change your habit, make the commitment and have it be strong. Interrupt by creating bigger space between the event and your response. And then replace your response with something else that is easy and more helpful for you. And you might want to do that ahead of time, like plan ahead of time how you're going to respond. Plan ahead of time what you're going to do instead, because that way you don't have to think about it. Your, your brain relies on habits so that it doesn't have to think. So if instead of turning on the TV, you think I could do this or this or this or this or this, and you give yourself like 50 options, you're making your brain make a decision, which is what it was trying to avoid by creating the habit in the first place. So that is like the the meta reason our brain creates habits. It's to avoid having to decide because decision fatigue is a real thing. It doesn't want to have to waste energy all the time on making decision after decision after decision. And so don't make your brain have to make a decision when you're breaking a habit. Instead, make the decision ahead of time. Say, okay, when I want to watch TV, instead, 
I'm going to uh, put on that song that I really love and dance to it or whatever it might be. What, do, make it something that seems fun still so that you actually want to do it, but is healthier for you. Um, don't make it such a hard feat that it feels impossible to do and plan it ahead of time to help yourself be more likely to do it. I also want to add here, this isn't about being perfect. You're going to probably get this wrong a couple times. Like there were times when with my chocolate not eating, when I wasn't at home and so there was chocolate around. And so it made it a lot harder for me to catch myself and other people were eating cake that was delicious and it was my favorite kind of cake and I would eat it because I would justify. But don't make that mean you're bad or wrong. Just make it mean, okay, you've got some some more work to do to make your pathway of not eating chocolate stronger, to make your pathway of processing your emotion stronger. Because what we're doing when we're creating a new habit is we don't instantly erase the old highway. That old highway is still there. It's just that we're creating a new highway and we're choosing to walk in the field and create the trail instead of get on the highway and then turn that trail into a paved path instead of getting on the highway and turn that paved path into a new road instead of getting on the highway. And eventually the new path will be just as strong, will be its own highway and the old path, the old highway will be overgrown from misuse from, from or not from misuse, from not being used. And it will start to dissolve away just like in real life, if a road's not maintained and kept up, it'll get cracks and grass and plants will grow through those cracks and roots will disrupt it and it'll eventually start to become disheveled and unusable. The same will be true in our brains, but it requires time and it requires repeated effort of using the new path. But the hardest point is getting started. And so acknowledge that it might be hard at first. And this is why having a coach is so powerful. They are there to help you in this process, to help um, you create these new habits by replacing them from a place that is soul-led, compassion-driven. And so just to, to round out my story here, I did stop eating chocolate for over a year. And it got to the point where I no longer felt compelled to eat chocolate. And instead, I was processing my emotions. And it was quite amazing. Actually, at first, it was awful. But then it actually made me feel so powerful. And people, when I would tell them, oh, no, I don't eat chocolate, some of my old friends would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And it would always surprise me because I wasn't sorry. I was actually feeling so good about my decision. And now I do eat chocolate again, but I made the conscious choice because I no longer felt like this habit was dictating my life. I now know how to process my emotions. I do eat chocolate now, and I don't feel like chocolate has its life over me. Instead, I use it when I want to, when I don't, when I don't want to. And if there's ever times when I start to feel like I'm reinforcing an old pathway that I don't want to reinforce, I'll take a break. I'll reestablish and I'll remind myself of my own power and I'll remind myself of my ability to process my own emotions. And so it's not that it's a checkbox that's done. It's still a repeat process to maintain your new habit, but it doesn't have to feel so forceful and so deliberate as you grow and as you build your capacity 
to lean on the habits that you want to create and let go of the ones that you don't. And so I hope this helps. Remember, a habit is simply an event that triggers a response over and over and over again, which means you can undo it, but it's not about immediately erasing it in the moment. It's about creating a new response by making a commitment to change, by interrupting the event from triggering the response and then replacing it with a new one, a new path that you want to do instead. It's not about getting it perfect, but it is about having compassion as you go. You can do this. You can change your life one moment at a time because in every moment is the choice to get off the highway and to make a new one. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you loved what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I help my clients to show up and do their work their way with soul. Whether it's so you can excel in your current role or so you can figure out what you want for your next role and get that role, coaching can help you get there. It begins with a consult. Sign up for yours by going to believeseed.com slash schedule. This is your free call and it is that first step towards that new life, that transformation into you doing your work in your way with salt.